Congratulations! You found it! The most inappropriate book club you never knew you were missing! Starring the original book divas Martha Steele and Vonnie Golden, and also featuring Megan Runyon, YA superfan, Keith Steigert, Uber Reader and Romance Junkie, Pat Greiner, she has the head of an English major and the heart of a sci-fi nerd. These people are passionate about books, maybe a little too passionate. Plotting world domination one book at a time, they are three book girls. What scares me right now is AI. Yeah, with the voices? Well, it's so creepy. Yes, so we had done this a few weeks ago. I think I told you guys about it, like when we were talking about needing a voice for this one dirty toy store for Patricia's. Mm-hmm. And I don't really like doing those commercials because my voice is so recognizable. I don't want people to, I don't know. I just don't want to do those. So <laughs> there was basically no other woman in the building. It was just me. And Josh goes, I have an idea. Let's, let's get the sample of somebody's voice. And so what he did is he put it into that AI thing and just wrote the script into there. And the AI did the script and it was amazing how close it was to like a regular, I mean, the only thing that made it not work was the lack of emotion. Mm. I mean, it was incredibly close to being good enough. But what worries me is, and I read this article two days ago, I think, about this woman in Arizona who got a phone call from her daughter, a panicked, freaked out phone call, call from her daughter talking about having been kidnapped Mm -hmm. and she almost sent the money but then something was just not quite right like um at the last minute realized that something wasn't right they were using ai they took her daughter's voice from a tiktok or from you know something like that and used it to create a voice pattern through ai and called her and tried to scam her out of fifty thousand dollars that's terrifying. I mean, why would she not call the cops first be- instead of just sending money? Well, she people do it all. People the time. do it all the time. I would not do that. But people send money Western Union all the time, like that. For that, Especially- for a kidnapping, yeah. For anything, without they calling get- the police first, yes. they're dumb. Don't Especially call the cops. If they're older. Yeah. Especially if they're older and it's like grandparents. Well, it sounded like kidnappers it's, say you have this long. Well, it sounded like her daughter. It sounded like her daughter on the phone. Right. So it was more convincing <clears throat> than like if somebody just calls you up and says, I have your kid. Give me money. I think we should all give our kids keywords so that if if they're like in distress and they and they call us and need something, we'll know it's really them. I mean, this is really freaking me out. My kids have them. They te- they're supposed to text them too if there's ever like like a party they're at and their friends are like on their phones. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Hmm. And if they text me this one word, then I go and get them no questions asked. And then I act like I'm being an asshole. Like, oh. Get your ass home, you right. dumbass kids. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to deal with you, you when know, I get home. When you get home. Yeah. That's a good idea. <laughs> a really good idea. Well, somebody, someone did use AI for good in my world on TikTok because they took all of the One Direction boys' voices today and sang like what makes you beautiful but with all their voices how they would sound if they were singing it today and everyone was like this is the best use of technology ever i don't understand what you mean so like because they don't sound like themselves from when they first formed as oh, a band. like voices have changed and like i see okay, grown okay. and yeah and so they took like an ai of like harry's voice and leo and like as they talk today and how they sing today and then put it in to I think the AI. Dude, I think that is terrifying because think about all the people who are going to lose their jobs. Dude, the dangers of AI, that's what that TJ Klune book is all about. This one? And, though, the puppets. Mm-hmm. and Keith called Dips. Keith, we should do a buddy read with everybody. Stop <laughs> trying to get... Friends are going to read it anyway. Stop I'll totally trying to get do it. Out of that. It, it was the best book I've read in like years. Oh, you've already read it? Yeah. 
Oh. I just haven't reviewed it because it doesn't come out till the 25th. Oh, so okay. I don't, if I was a true gamer, then I would probably have gotten well, a PS5. Yeah, yeah. But like, I just play sporadically and I really use it as like my streaming service. So like, I don't feel Mr. the need to go Keith buy a new one. Has already completely finished the game. Like all the side quests, everything. That and he didn't have anything on the horizon to play. So he downloaded this free game and now he spends all this time playing it. And it is, what is it? Oh, it's so, I love you, baby, but it is so dumb. <laughs> it is, it is virtual cutting grass. That like, is such a dad game. <laughs> are you being serious so right weird. now? Yeah. It's yes. like a gardener <laughs> thing. And he rides a lawn, a riding mower and he can't go too fast and he can't dig up the yard. And then he has to like edge it with like a trimmer. And does Mr. Keith cut not have a fucking lawn of his own? He does. We haven't started doing it yet because it's going to snow here. Oh, on that's right. I keep forgetting. So he misses his grass. Don't give him a hard time. It's so weird. I've never heard of anything. Watching so it because I will sit there and I will stare at it. And I did. I stared at it for like probably an hour while I was doing other stuff. And then I said, and then I thought to myself, what the hell? And then I said, what are you doing? And he's like, I don't know. He says, I'm kind of addicted to this freaking game. It's so stupid. I'm like, yeah, yeah, it is. I need to, if, if it were storming today, we would have some fucking awful storms yeah, because would. this wind is, ugh insane today you can probably kind of you can't really hear it right now but it's it's rattling things so it's gonna be fun tomorrow because i gotta go stand outside well vonnie's gonna be my date tomorrow oh that's right the race thing is tomorrow yeah the extreme racing I what does that it. mean well what they do how do they make it extreme they do it for charity but the reason it's extreme is that it's zebras and ostriches and yeah, yeah. And Dude, I thought you were talking like stupid looking cars. No, or no, and it's for charity. Dude, do people ride them? Well, they won't. They used to do that, but they they don't do it anymore. They just name the jockey after you. So like they named the animal after you. Yeah. So I'm picturing like the Swiss Family Robinson when they're like riding on zebras and shit <laughs> and ostriches and. Well, and that is what I am going to. I have my stunt double, but evidently oh like they really did the jockeys really do ride them yeah uh, i think so yeah i don't know I, i've never done it before but what animal guy is yours is, i have the zebra races and i have to actually like speak in front of twenty thousand people tomorrow like she doesn't do that every day it's just yeah but it's welcome to the yeah, zebra you, animal race yeah but when you have like actual people actually in front of you yeah. And it, you know how I feel about being out in the wind. I fucking hate it. It's terrible. It means I'm going to have to wear a hat. No, just tie, Bonnie, like, loosely, like, tie your hair back. Bonnie's going to be my plus one. She doesn't have to go stand outside, though. She can sit up in the VIP seats and laugh at me from up there. Bonnie, you should get some, pic should get some pictures to Bonnie so we can post them on social media so people can see Martha doing her zebra racing <laughs> yay i'm sure especially I won't be if she falls enough. off i don't know hopefully somebody will take a picture but mm. she gets to sit up there and, and eat the the free prime rib are you wearing like zoo I, animals yeah the zoo's right next door that's sweet it's the good. animals that didn't make it are the ones that they're serving up <laughs> some <laughs> You know, the bucket of chicken's going to be ostrich. Hey, I've heard ostrich actually tastes pretty good. Zebra prime rib. That's probably really fatty, I would think. Or, like, really tough. Wouldn't that's, zebra meat be tough? It's a bit like having a yeah, horse it wouldn't be horse fatty. Soup. It would yeah. be really like in the olden days, yeah. and you had to shoot the horse for something to eat. Right. Oh, gosh. Don't come after We're us, Here, Peter. take home this Elmer's that we just made. Oh! oh. <laughs> Keith, Keith. It's your parting gift. Fresh okay. from the hoof. <laughs> I'm not uh rude. I'm rude. I, I'm totally not looking forward to going, but at least Bonnie's going with me, so she'll 
She'll be able to cushion the blow a little bit for my freaked out. I feel freaked You'll out by this. You'll do just fine. I don't You'll know, be fine. I don't know what the difference is really, but yeah. They already all know your voice. They just don't know your face. That's the scary part. Uh, it's the Crypt Keeper. Oh my God. And it's going to be windy, so they'll see my forehead crease. It's going to be an interesting day tomorrow. Yep. It'll be Bonnie fun. can Bonnie can uh, roll me out on a stretcher if I get kicked in the head by a zebra. If you get kicked in the head by anything, it'll probably be an ostrich. They're mean. Yeah, that's true. By the I don't think we're going to be that close to the actual animals. They're not going to let us just walk up and start petting the ostriches and zebras. Well, I've heard zebras are mean. Ooh. Well, you know zebras are mean. This guy got his arm ripped up by a zebra a couple of weeks ago. Where? At the zoo? No, not at the zoo. He had oh. one of those, what do you call them? Like exotic animal farm situation. Yeah, and the zebra ripped his arm off. Well, I would too. They had to sew it back on. How you do that? Anyway, he's never gonna financially recover from this. No, never. (laughs) (laughs) But I thought, obviously, Vondi's not gonna have anything, any exotic animals in her book today. You never know. There's several World War II books about zoos. Yeah, that one where all the animals like they had to save. Yeah, Berlin Zoo, right? It wasn't that long ago you did the Life of Pi. They, they might have had zebras in that. Yeah, that was weird. Yeah, but the tiger ate the zebra, so. I mean, tiger's got a tiger. Way Aww. to bring down the room, Martha. Aww. Jeez. Sorry. I was trying I to just, think I actually I... mentioned that in there because I, it was See? just sad. Bonnie tried to be nice about it, well, but no. Well, I was trying I to, to find it. a transition. Now I feel like I just need to rewatch that one episode of Tiger King where Joe Exotic's like staff member gets their His arm ripped off by the by tiger, the tiger and he just goes yeah. into a room a room full of visitors and is like, just so you know, we should have a tiger mala keeper. I'm never gonna financially <laughs> And he goes and changes his shirt into a an EMT shirt. Yeah. yeah. Man, twenty twenty was just off the hook. It really <laughs> was. We were making bread from scratch. We were watching Joe Exotic. Like, how are we going to explain this to the future? <laughs> Joe Exotic, I think, is running for we're office not. again just... from jail. Oh, isn't he in jail? He is. He's in jail. But, you know, he can run Jesus from God. jail. So, which that. that... I but was hey, just going to say, if Trump can do it, why not well, Joe Exotic? They... Sounds like galloping zebras with this fucking tree banging against my house right now outside. Do you have anything fun in your book this week, Vonnie? Well, no. Why would I have anything fun? Just in my checking, book? you know, Any taking glue? the temperature of the room. <laughs> Any glue? You're terrible. <laughs> no, but I was going to mention, I was going to ask one thing, you know, like when we were talking about animals. Did anyone watch on the news with all the bears coming out of hibernation in California and they no. can't get to their food source because everything's still covered with snow? <gasps> So they're going like into like people's houses and eating people and, well no eating oh. the food not people but they have this one video that i watched this morning and this dude is just like sitting in his chair on his porch just he looks like he's watching something on his phone so he's got his phone up not paying attention probably has earbuds in and this bear just casually walks up walks past him like he's walking to the door and all of a sudden, like, they see each other, and they're both like, oh. <laughs> even the bear. And the guy's, like, all, you what know. What did he do? Looking like, you know, he just saw a bear on his front porch. Did he freeze, <laughs> or did he run away? Well, the bear just turns around and walks back off the porch. <laughs> like, damn, I got caught. But he doesn't even run off the porch like he's scared. He just turns around and walks off. Have, like, have you seen the video of the... Oh, oh sorry what keith shit oh i was just the bear was looking for the cat but then he found the man and now he's- <laughs> <laughs> have you seen the one there's a lady that lives in a park like one of the national parks or close to a reserve with a bunch of bears and like she's been there for so long that like the bears know her and like trust her and they bring her cubs to her and like all this stuff and they figured out how to open her front door oh my god but they also know how to close it like they'll open it and just like put like their front two little paws like in just to be like hi we're here oh that's so dangerous oh my god and then and then she like comes up and she'll be like close the door and he'll take his mouth around the the knob and just pull the door closed and like walk back it's like yes it is dangerous i can't imagine because they are very familiar with her like it's not like 
random person living in the woods. Like she's been there forever. I can just see an adolescent bear, you know, going, oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You can't tell me. I saw a video and I think it was probably on TikTok. So, you know, the validity of it is questionable, but there was a guy filming outside of like a friend's house and there was a bear. So he didn't get out of his, his car and the bear walked up, opened the truck door, got in the truck and shut the door. I mean, not quite that fluid, but he basically went over, figured out how to open the door, got in the truck and closed the truck door. With the guy still in the truck? No, no, no. It's the, his friend. Oh. There was, I'm sure there was nobody in the truck, but he like, oh my God. He's filming this. He's like, oh, my God, I got to call my friend and tell him there's a bear in his truck. <laughs> Bears are so smart. Well, you know, like, that- can you imagine getting that phone call? Dude, there's a bear in your truck. He's like, quit <laughs> shitting with me, man. Okay, Bonnie, do you have any hungry animals? No bears? Any bears? No, no, no Tigers, bears. lions, and bears, oh, my? Mm-mm. No, mm. nothing like that. I This week I've read Take My Hand by Dolan Perkins Valdez. And this is set in Montgomery, Alabama in 1973. The main character in it is a young black nurse who had just got out of nursing school. And she goes to work at a family planning clinic in Montgomery. And um, they cater mostly to underprivileged black women and families and one of her her jobs was to make a house call once every so often to go check up and give birth control shots to patients and her patients named erica in india so she goes out to this house and they're extremely poor i mean they have a dirt floor They don't have power. They don't have running water. And she gets there to give shots to these two patients. And she finds out that these children are only like 10 and 12 years old, 10 and 12 or 11 and 13, something like that. So they're extremely young, like probably too young to be getting birth control shots. She, um, you know, gives them their shots and everything because that's what she's there to do. And talks to the family a little bit and um, talks to the dad. She's, um, I can't remember the dad's name, but she's instantly attracted to dad, of course, because why would you not be? And, you know, it makes for good reading. (laughs) (laughs) um, um, And she gets to talking to the family and to Erica in India, who are her patients. And she finds out that one of them hasn't even started menstruating yet. And they already have her on birth control shots. Um, But I mean, she just kind of, you know, goes with it a little bit, questions it, goes back to the clinic that she works. And she's like one of these people that like gets way into other people's businesses. I guess that's the nicest way to put it. (laughs) But I mean, in a good way, like, this family was extremely poor and they're living in this shack and, you know, the, the kids hygiene is bad because they don't have running water or anything. You know, they cook the way that they cook their floors. They have a hole dug in the middle of their dirt floor and they have a grill over top of it. And that's how they cook their food and boil their water and stuff. So, and I mean, this is 1973. It's not like it's, did they have birth control shots in 1973? Yeah. Wow. I thought that was a newer thing. <clears throat> well, I did too. I, I knew the pill came out around then. But. Uh, it makes sense, I guess. Yeah, it does. Well, that's one of the other things that plays into this book is um, how new this um, birth control shot is. It's the three-month birth control shot and how there's a controversy that they're experimenting giving the shot to underprivileged black patients to see what happens to see oh okay 
And they also talk a lot about, um, and I know you guys have heard about it, but the, the study that they did um, on, I don't know if it was, I think it was just uh, black men and they were giving him syphilis. The syphilis, yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And um, some of them were getting treatment, some of them weren't. But the thing is, is they didn't tell these patients that they were not getting treatment. Then they just, you know, waited to see what happened as the syphilis progressed. Oh, that's so mean. That's such a horrible disease. Well, it's horrible that they thought they were getting treatment. Well, yeah, obviously. And they were being lied to. I mean, but anyways, what was the name? Is is was did they name that specific study in in your book? Because it seems to me there's like a, I know it's not Tuskegee because that's something else. There was, if it was the, in. The syphilis one? Yeah. Uh, I think they do name it in my book, but oh, I don't remember what it is. That's okay. I was just curious. Truth. What I was saying. So she kind of sticks her nose into this family's business and um, she decides not her boss, not the director of the family planning clinic, that um, she's not going to give these girls shots anymore because neither one of them are sexually active. One of them hasn't even started menstruating yet. And she just doesn't think that it's safe or healthy. And she also um, calls social services to see if she can get them a better place to live. And she... (laughs) kind of pretends to be their social worker to be able to get it done. It's all for good. It's not for bad. I mean, she's just trying to improve these people's lives. At the same time, she's all up in their business. And like the dad a few times gets a little snippy with her saying, this is really none of your business. I don't know what you're doing here. But she does end up getting the dad a better job and get them an apartment and uh, all of this other stuff. And so she is entwined into this family's life and she's getting closer and closer with the dad and everything else. And then I can't remember the circumstances around it, but she goes to see the family to go see the girls and they're not at home. And she asks the grandma, well, what, where are they? And she's like, well, one of the nurses came and got them to take them to the clinic to give them their shot. And now she, the main character hasn't told anyone, including the director that she quit giving the girls the shot. So then she's kind of like, oh, shit. (laughs) So she goes to the clinic to look for him, you know, and they're not there. So she does some digging around and stuff and looks at their charts and stuff and finds out that they were taken to the hospital to have their tubes tied. Yeah. Holy crap. And it was um, too stunned to speak. Yeah, yeah. They were talking and, about little girls here, right? Yeah, eleven and thirteen years old. Oh my god! Take them to the hospital to have their tubes tied. Neither one of the girls knew what was going to happen, and when uh, she gets there to see them, um, they're in pain because also another myth that they had about medical situations with uh, black patients is that um, they don't feel pain the same as white patients do. So they didn't give them enough pain medication and they were in pain. So of course she, she's a nurse and she kind of goes a little above her station and demands that, you know, that they get more pain medication and everything else. And she goes to tell their dad what happened and of course dad's pissed 
<laughs> and and he's like, you know, blaming her. This never would have happened if you wouldn't have gotten so involved in our life, blah, 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 so on and so forth. And the main character ends up finding out that they aren't the only children that this has happened to. In other independent clinics, including more patients at that clinic, children who are not sexually active are being sterilized for the pure fact that they are young, underprivileged, and Black. And they think that the way to, to help out the situation so it doesn't repeat itself is just to make sure that they don't have kids, basically. And also another big factor in this is that because grandma and dad are poor and hadn't had the education that they should have, they can't read or write. They signed the documents to, for them to be sterilized, but they didn't know what they were signing and it wasn't explained to them. Oh. It ends up going to court. They call a lawyer because they want to know what their rights are because, you know, this shouldn't have happened. Uh, it ends up going all the way to the Supreme Court. And um, because of this case, new laws are written about what they can and cannot do, even if they have signatures from the parents, unless they explicitly know in detail what's going to happen before they sign the forms. And this is based on a true court case. So this actually did happen. And it's just, it's just insane. And they talk about um, the three month shot. And I can't think of the name of that shot. I should know I had it when I was, when I was younger. Depo? Yeah, the depot shot. Um, how it was still experimental and the main people who got this shot were young underprivileged black girls it's really sad that these children because that's what they were children had to go through this at such a young age and because of it they can never have kids for the rest of their life I mean it's insane I mean just when I couldn't be more disgusted I mean, it's a good time to talk about this book with the birth control pill thing going on in Texas. Texas is trying to take away the FDA's approval of the birth control no, pill. No, of the abortion. Or of the abortion pill, sorry. Of the abortion pill. Because that's going on right now. Yeah, it sure is. I mean, it's politics um, getting in the way of medical care. Because even if you take the whole pro-choice thing out of it, there's some situations that people should not have children. They shouldn't have a baby. Like there might be something wrong with the individual. There might be something wrong with the way that that baby has connected with the uterus and it could be a life or death situation. And you're taking away that options. important decision that the you're doctor- You're taking away options. Yeah. I mean, there could be, I mean, somebody might be so severely diabetic that- having a baby is really detrimental for their health, kind of like steel magnolias, but you're taking that option away from them. And I don't really think that politics belongs in the doctor's office, but that's just my opinion. And I know everybody gets one. That's what's great about America. But yeah, this book just kind of brings up all of that. Um, it kind of is told in two parts. It's told with the main character grown and going back to see uh, India and Erica as adults. And then it's told like in like a, she's remembering. Most of it's told in the past there. It's mainly the beginning and ending is where she's older, but I did like this book. It took me a little bit to get into it because I didn't particularly care for the main character she's a little pushy a little dramatic for my taste um but she did do great things for that family even if she did it without them asking <laughs> so yeah i four out of five 
I, I did like this book. I made it through. As I got to reading it and further into it, I liked it more. So it was it was a good read. Don't know if I would recommend it to too many people. Um, there's uh, trigger warnings because obviously bad things happen in this book. Um, there's no like uh, molestation or rape or anything like that, but they do talk about um, abortion and of course, you know, sterilization against <laughs> against your will and the medical experiments that were done on black people without their consent. Um, I originally read this when for Black History Month and didn't review it because I just decided to do another book. But I think that it's a great way to address some of the things that happened to Black people in history. I don't know. It was a good book. I had mixed feelings about it because I liked the book, but I didn't like the book. <laughs> I'm just, I can't read books like that because I, I'm so distressed I know about the I horrific it just horrific mm -hmm. and and we can't change that part of it because it happened yeah you can't and you know to tell you the truth I didn't know a lot of this stuff until I started reading these books they didn't teach us this in school no they sure didn't although I did know about they didn't teach in school but in college I learned about the experiments they did on black men with syphilis that was called Diskegee study was it? You were right. mm -hmm. okay yeah I had a feeling that it was something similar to that yeah it was crazy and then again it's called Take My Hand by Dolan Perkins Valdez she had a hyphenated last name Dolan first name Perkins Valdez. Please tell me somebody can can bring up the room. Now I'm depressed. Super sad. You're welcome. Mine's not super happy. So you go ahead. Oh, I should go first. I mean, I can. It's just not to bring the room up like you think. <laughs> okay, I'll go then. I need some so, I need some sunshine and rainbows right now. All right, Need well, I can give you a little bit of spice and a little bit of happy and a little bit of funny. So this week, I'm reviewing Love in the Time of Serial Killers by Alicia Thompson. And this book gave me such joy because we have our main character, Phoebe. And she has returned to Florida from North Carolina uh, because her father has unexpectedly passed away and they need to, her and her brother need to clean out his house. Um, she has not lived with her father since she was like 12 and her little brother is a lot younger. He's like seven years younger than she is. So, um, she moves into the house basically, or is moving into the house to clean it up, get it ready to sell. And she is working on her dissertation and she is writing about true crime and the literary genre of true crime of like looking at how Capote wrote versus how the uh she didn't use btk's daughter but kind of the same idea um how the daughter of the serial killer writes about their crimes and different things like that that's kind of what she's analyzing for her dissertation from the english department and so she just is obsessed with true crime throughout the whole book she'll something will happen and she'll reference a case i only had to google one of the cases that she referenced <laughs> the rest of them i was like i know what she's talking about uh, so she gets there, she brings her really heavy antique writing desk with her to the house because she's like, I need my desk to write my dissertation. So she gets to her dad's house. It's like 2 a.m. And she's like, how am I going to unload this desk off the top of my car? My brother's not here to help or whatever. And she turns around and there's like a guy on the sidewalk with no shoes on at like 2 a.m. And she was like, I'm about to get murdered. <laughs> and she, get in this van. Yeah. She's like, I don't know you. What in the hell? So she like goes into the house and she's like, well, the desk is gone tomorrow. The desk is gone, but I'm not dying here tonight. So then she gets up in the morning and goes outside and the desk is like at the front door. So she's like, okay, the weird guy with no shoes on at 2 a.m., unloaded my desk for me okay 
And she just kind of goes on and her brother comes over and we find out that that strange guy with no shoes on is Sam. And that is her dad's neighbor. He lives across the street and she's just keeps every, like he's kind of not doing anything really odd other than being out at 2am with no shoes on, but he's really not doing anything else odd. But of course she's looking at it like, Oh, it's like this guy, or it's like this case, or it could be this case. <laughs> what if he's a serial killer? And her brother's like, he's not a serial killer, sis. Like, <laughs> and at one point she, he walked into his garage and he had like paint all over him and all she could see was like liquid. And he was like bringing in ice. And she's like, he's killed somebody. He's killed somebody and he's putting their body on ice. <laughs> like, so she's a little extreme. She's not paranoid extreme, but it's just funny to like watch her thought process. Cause she's not like, that crazy. I was gonna say that sounds pretty fucking paranoid to me, Megan. No, but it's not like she's not like camped out with like binoculars and like you know, but she does keep a journal <laughs> like weird things. Um, and then we find out like he was hosting a party and he like painted something and the ice was for the party, and her brother and his girlfriend and her gonna go crash the party because they want to meet the new neighbor. And it's somebody's like retirement party because he worked, Sam works at the local school as the music teacher. And so the the course of the story is, you know, they're cleaning out her dad's house. She's coming to terms with like the grief of the never having those moments that she thought maybe one day they'd reconcile and have. And her brother is, you know, growing in his relationship and she is just like full of trauma and just doesn't want to deal with a lot of it. And just keeps pushing, like, you know there's something between her and Sam. Like, things keep happening, and you're just like, yeah, okay, like, they're going to get there. And, of course, it's a romance, so things happen. Mm -hmm. Uh, But she gets close, and then she, like, gets scared and, like, pushes him away. And then she's like, but I need him, and, like, kind of pulls him back. And then there's a little back and forth for quite a bit. Um but I thoroughly enjoyed it I because I knew the cases she was talking about. Like at one point she's like, talks about Gacy and Bundy and she's talking about In Cold Blood that Capote wrote about the case in Kansas. Um, I can't think of the name of that case right now. The Kansas case. It's one of the famous books. Uh, and so it was just fun for me to read and know exactly what she was talking about. And, and just her like di- di- dissecting like Anne Rule's book on The Stranger Beside Me for her dissertation and um the sunrise slayer i'd never heard of i had to look him up he was somebody who would like murder women on their morning jogs that's why he was the sunrise slayer because it was like in the mornings Mm. and i I, i'm assuming because it's in this book it's accurate i haven't googled it but that his daughter wrote a book and what she thought was one of the things she wrote about in in her dissertation was that his daughter like left out like key things that involved herself when like when she was looking at other articles she was like wait a minute his daughter never said that like one of the things that got him caught was like a trinket that his daughter had and she Hmm. was older she wasn't like a little kid and then they connected the trinket to like one of the victims and it's not at all in her book because uh, she didn't want to admit like i got my dad caught you know like so it was kind of interesting when she started looking at the different ways that people write about true crime where it's like capote befriended the people and tried to get all this like kind of saucy details whereas the sunrise slayer the or the equipment kind of like btk's daughter i'm sure there's stuff that's not in her book that other sources would have written about so it was, it was fun to watch her kind of write this dissertation about true crime and follow, follow her adventures with sam and her brother, whose name I can't remember right this second. Uh, I would say the first half of this book has like negative four spicy. And then you hit like the halfway point and you get like a solid four. (laughs) It's always right around the 50% mark. Yeah. Yeah. Like you're just cruising along. You're like, well, they won't, they will, they won't, they, oh, okay. Which is great. It was fun, (laughs) but I was ready for it. I was like, come on. Like we've built this up. We need this moment. And you do get your moments. Um, but I, you really just, it's really about her coming to terms with her own attachment issues over the years and the grief of losing her father. Like her dad had passed away in a grocery store and it's the closest grocery store to their house. And so she would drive to the other side of town mm-hmm. 
to like not go to that grocery store and so her yeah. brother like kind of tricks her into going to the grocery store and he's like we need to walk over here and she's like no and he's like we're doing this her little brother's trying to like kind of force her down the grief path a little bit to try to help her along so um I really liked it and this is she's a first time author she has the second book coming out this year uh I think it takes place I'm not sure where it takes place I saw something about like the cold war or cold something mm-hmm. um if it's if half as good as this one I'm here for it I loved every minute of this I sat down and read like the last half of the book in like one night I was like I need to know what happens I need to know where they end up and if you're a true crime fan you'll love it just because you get the what she's talking about and you understand like her thought process when you see things that are weird and you kind of make a mental note in your true crime brain like hey if someone ever asked me about this random thing i saw i'm gonna try to remember that um or when you get new neighbors and they're weird and creepy and you're like <laughs> you're like creepy neighbor standing by the stop sign uh at 12 30 got it <laughs> making little notes in your own brain uh I, yeah it was fantastic i highly recommend it i i really bought it because of the title and I knew it was going to be a romance, but the title was just too good. I was like, yep, I need I need this book in my life immediately. And when I was standing there staring at my shelf trying to decide what to read next, I was this one just called my name. So <laughs> that's what I read. And that is Love in the Time of Serial Killers by Alicia Thompson. Yeah, it's not often that your uh, romance and your true crime overlap in a book. No, like never. That's what was so appealing. I don't even remember where I bought this, but I might've found it online or something. I don't know where I saw it, but I immediately ordered it, bought it, whatever I did to get it in this house. <laughs> but it was worth every second. I have it too. And I bought, I haven't read it yet, but I bought it strictly because of the title. And I like very rarely do that, but I was yes. like, okay, well, this is fascinating. I got to get this book. Oh, I can't wait. We can discuss. We'll have to discuss when you read it because I <laughs> loved it. I'm excited. I need to look and see when her next book comes out because I probably need to add it to my pre-order list so I can become her biggest fan and <laughs> love forever. And she puts her handles in the back of her author notes. I appreciate that as someone who has to look that shit up every week. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Keith, are we romancing or are we sad romancing? Well, yeah, we're sad romancing this week. Oh, no. So the book I read is called If This Is Love by Jewel E. Ann. And this book takes place in Texas and is about uh, this billionaire rancher. And he is insanely in love with his wife, Ruthie. They have this amazing love story and... Our main character, her name is Indiana. And when she's four years old, um, Ruthie can't have children. And Ruthie very much wants a child. So we find out that Fletcher, the billionaire, uh, buys Indiana when she's four for a million dollars and then gives her to his wife as like a present he for her to raise. A child? Yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. And that's when you kind of find out that Fletcher isn't just a rancher. You don't know exactly what he is, but he has the kind of pool that you can buy a four, he can buy a four-year-old and gift it to his wife. And everything's real great. Um, Ruthie is this amazing mother. Indiana and Ruthie have this great relationship. But when Indiana is 10, Ruthie dies of cancer. And when Ruthie dies, Fletcher just kind of loses. I I mean, it's really obvious that the only reason he was living at all a semi-decent life was because of his wife, Ruthie. So he just kind of, and he's never really been in Indiana's life a whole lot, um, except as, you know, the man who is married to the woman who's raising her kind of thing. So he starts drinking. He uh, doesn't really want Indiana anymore, but he's kind of stuck with her. And he has this huge ranch. And in the barn, he has an apartment for this young man. And the young man's name is Milo. And Milo has known Indiana for a long time um, since she came to the ranch, basically. 
and Milo's 18 and he kind of takes over and kind of helps to raise Indiana. And they have this very close relationship, brother and sister kind of thing. Milo gives her all the love that she isn't getting at home anymore. And he, Milo is Fletcher's right-hand man kind of thing. Um, he is the guy that does the most on the ranch. He knows about Fletcher's other endeavors. You don't exactly know what's going on with their relationship, but uh, Fletcher very much trusts Milo. And as Indiana gets older, and she turns like 18, 19, she really falls in love with Milo. And Milo is also in love with her. The problem is that Fletcher has plans for Milo and they involve Milo marrying Indiana's cousin who absolutely, she hates Indiana. The two of them can't stand each other. So, Indiana's told when she like it turns 18 that uh, people kind of start noticing that the two of them really like each other. And so Fletcher is just like, you know, as soon as your cousin Jolene be graduates from law school, those two are getting married. And Milo very much wants to say no, but you don't know why exactly he can't. But you know that Fletcher has something on Milo where Milo has to do what he's told. And because um, because Jolene is Fletcher's niece, in this way, Milo will then inherit the ranch because Indiana is never thought of as an actual part of the family. Nobody except Ruthie and Milo ever accepted her as part of this family. So she can't inherit the ranch and Fletcher is ensuring that the people he wants to be in charge of the ranch are through this this arranged marriage, basically. And so the entire story is just about the relationship that this terrible, awful man, who was such an incredible person when he was married to his love, he just really just loses all of his humanity basically when she dies and has absolutely no interest in Indiana except for the kind of political moves he can make with her. Maybe political is the wrong word, but there are all these really weird twists and turns you have no idea exact except that fletcher is just really renowned in texas he seems to have all of the politicians in his pocket he makes things happen and people are very afraid of him so uh if texas had a mafia <laughs> i would assume that fletcher is way high up in it but you it's just this incredible story of Indiana and Milo trying to make the best of this situation that they're in, even though they know that they can't be together because of this terrible man that's been put in their lives. And there are all these weird secrets that come out. I mean, you really can't say a lot, but Wanting to find out exactly why, I mean, arranged marriages really don't happen anymore very often. So you really want to know what on earth, why on earth Milo would feel like he has to marry this woman that he doesn't love, that is terrible to the woman that he does love. And it's really just... I feel bad because Martha's here, but I mean, it was really poignant and heart wrenching because it's just watching all of these people who were perfectly happy in their lives and watching this woman die and then just leaving everything in shambles just for this, the fact that she has died. And everyone knows she wouldn't want this to happen to her family, but it, 
really engrossed me. Uh, like Megan said, I mean, I couldn't stop reading because I was like, what the heck? Why on earth does this man have so much power all over all these people? He's a freaking rancher. Like what on earth? And I mean, it's really, really surprising when you find out exactly what's going on with this bizarre convoluted family in this small Texas town. Um, but I really enjoyed it. I really enjoy this author. I mean, she writes angsty romance like nobody's business. Um, and that was If This Is Love by Jewel E. Ann. Keith, that book sounds real sad, but also like really interesting. Very, it was, very it's sad. spicy too. <laughs> Ooh, so spicy. Well, and I feel like very Texas to be like, no, I am choosing who actually is my family and inheriting my ranch. Like, yeah. seems very Texas. Okay, so I have a book this week that is very strange. Imagine that. But not strange for the usual reasons. This book is called The Twyford Code by Janice Hallett. The reason it was weird is that it's... It's like a mystery within a mystery. And I listened to the audio, but I can see how it would be very difficult to read it, like a, a physical copy of it, because the book was written in a series of iPhone rec voice recordings. The main character is Steve Smith. He's just been released from prison after spending 11 years in jail. And he was, when he was a kid, he was one of those kids that just had a really difficult time, but then fell in with a crowd that sort of took them under his wing. And he became a gangster of sorts. He became a part of this gangster family, but not really. You know, they're like, oh, you're like a son to me. Do all this stuff for me. But then, of course, when it comes down to it, he's not really related, so he doesn't get the benefit of the good things that would have happened to him if that would have been the case. Instead, he took one for the team and went to prison. So that's sort of the short version of his, of the beginning of the book, because the voice recordings come when he's released from prison. He realizes that he has a son that he didn't know he had. And he makes, I think he might've found that out when he was still in prison, but he makes contact with the son and the son is a little reluctant to say the least to like really make a strong connection with him. But what he does is he gives him his old iPhone. So of course he, he's never had a phone, doesn't really know how to work the thing, but figures out how to start making voice recordings. So of course he had plenty of time to think about things when he was in jail and he had been thinking a lot about this weird thing that happened to him when he was a kid. He remembers his favorite English teacher. He was, he took a remedial English class when he was in school and his teacher, he kind of had a crush on her because she was a good teacher and he liked her but one day on his way to school something weird happens to him he wasn't able to catch his regular bus for some reason I don't remember what the details were but I remember that he ends up getting a different bus it was a different color from the regular buses and he gets on and there's nobody on the bus but he finds this book on the bus. Well, he has dyslexia, so he can't really read it. And when he goes into class, he shows this book to his teacher. Well, actually, what he's trying to do is he's trying to sell her this book. Because he's got those, you know, he's got that little criminal sort of thing going on in his head. That's how he survives. He's a survivor and he's trying to make money. So he tries to sell her this book. Well, she takes it from him. And she says, you know, this book is banned. You know, we're not really allowed to have this, but she reads it to them anyway. And the reason that it's banned is because it's written very poorly. 
and it's got some sexist and racist type stuff in it, but it's a children's book that they have like reissued and redone a bunch of times and and all of these other things. But the weird thing is the original was written in the 1930s about a group of six children and their adventures. And the teacher's really obsessed with this book. And she decides to take the kids on a field trip. Well, it's not an approved field trip. She just takes them and goes on this little trip to where this author had lived and then she disappears. Now, his, his memory says that she disappeared that day. And he can't quite, like, grab onto those memories. So what he wants to do is he wants to speak to the other people who were there. So he looks everybody up and he starts asking questions. And people act really weird about it. A lot of them try to dissuade him from looking it up. But what he eventually finds out is the reason why is there's a code hidden in this book. And there's a whole group of people whose whose hobby it is to try to figure it out. Well, this thing just goes deeper and deeper into this bizarre, like, conspiracy theory, you know, because this book was originally written in the 1930s and... And was it a war code? Was it this? Was it that? And there were sections of it that were really super long and repetitive that I did not like. But the fact that he was, you know, he was completely obsessed with the idea of finding out what happened to this teacher. So that's his motivation. But then as you go along, you start to have a motivation to want to know what the hell this code is about. And you find out so many different things and it's so confusing that you really don't know what the hell it is. And that's one of the reasons I like the book is that you're having to sort through all of this information, decide what's real and what isn't. And then, of course, at the end, there's a huge twist. But it was really an interesting format because of the way that it was put forward in these voice files that he's recorded himself about his search I don't I I can't even really quite describe how weird it was because as a 14 year old he couldn't read like at all and until he went to prison he couldn't read he actually learned how to read in prison and that's when they discovered that he was dyslexic so they taught him how to read based on you know all of all of those things while he was in jail. And he's actually not a dumb guy. He's actually a smart guy. But he's sort of been told that he's dumb his whole life. And the fact that he was taken advantage of by this group of gangsters and all of these other... He's just a really interesting character and you feel bad for him because he doesn't really have anybody. And the way he's treated by his former friends is kind of weird. And you find out why later, but it was, it was a great mystery type read. It was completely different and unique. About three quarters of the way through, I was getting kind of pissed off because it was, it was really stretching to try to fit some of these things in. But at the same time, I just really enjoyed that ride because I'd never, I've never read anything quite like it. It was very unique and with as much as I read, I really appreciate things that are different even more. So that was called The Twyford Code by Janice Hallett. Getting a migraine so I can't see worth a shit. It always messes with my eyesight. Before I forget to tell you guys mm-hmm. this, to tell the world this, we're about ready to record a new special episode for Patreon members. I'm so excited. It's really taking everything in my power not to talk about it right now. Because... Yeah, so that's next week. Ah! <laughs> and we're very excited about it. So you still have time to sign up to be a Patreon member so that you can hear our new our new special episode. Because I will be fangirling, but not in the way you're used to. <laughs> and thank you so much to our Patreon members who help us pay 
our bills. They're not very huge bills, but we do have them and we really appreciate any help you can give us, meaning be a Patreon member. Yay! We appreciate yous. And now for something completely different. <laughs> at the at end first- of this month, one of our one of our listeners, Jamie, she's like one of our book girls. She and I are going to this like romance like fantasy romance convention and i can't even express i haven't even gone yet and i've pre-ordered so many freaking books if i wasn't driving i would be in really big trouble because (laughs) i could never get them on a plane so you're gonna have to post the information so that if any of our other book girls that live in the area want to go then they could maybe meet you there well see i would do that except this convention sold out Oh, August in the first 10 minutes that they sold the tickets. Wow. Yeah. It's like crazy. That's that's awesome, though. I'm jealous. I'm excited for you. Thanks. Me too. Actually, for some reason today, (laughs) I have no idea why this popped into my head. But when we were kids, they taught us this song about Christopher Columbus in school. When 1492 Columbus sailed the ocean blue? No, it was a different song. But it's so dumb that to this day, I remember that fucking song. And why did it pop into my head on this day? It's not Columbus Day. It is not. A lot of songs makes me remember all the states in alphabetical order. I I love that one. I know that song. Alabama, Alaska. Arizona, Arkansas. You know what I? You know my favorite childhood song that's like morbid, that we all just sing like it's no big deal. You're overmodulating. Ring around the Rosie. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh huh. You're singing about the plague. Yeah, that's not funny. That is funny. You think about it, like you're like, let's lock hands and sing Ring Around the Rosie, and you're just like, we're talking about death. So you do like. Little two-year-olds are like, ring around the rosy. <laughs> it's all right that we sing it now. If they were singing it back then, that's kind of creepy. We're, I'm sure they did that. Someone wrote it back in the, like after that. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> like, But it's still morbid. And like London Bridge is falling down. We like, need some, what we need is we need some current day songs about the things that are happening now <laughs> that we can sing later. Anybody you can't got it? write them when it's happening. You have to wait years to get the good no, stuff. No, you write them now and we then you pull them out later. In trouble. You pull them out later. Oh, yeah. There'd be a house bill banning it. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. Yeah. But that's true. Like in 100 years, like what will, or 200 years, are they going to have like a COVID song? Yes. And there'll be one about Trump too. Watch. Well, COVID, the plague, it's all the same thing. It's all the we same, can just yeah. sing, ring but around. So what would be get... the lyrics to a COVID song? It'd That's be, what I don't know. I'm wipe your to, like... groceries down. <laughs> get your toilet paper. Ring around the face mask. Face masks, Clorox wipes, and toilet paper. It would be a song about all yeah. those things. Hand sanitizer. And yeah. hand sanitizer, Ring around yes. the hand sanitizer. Wash your hands. <laughs> like pocket what? full of fifty-five. Pocket full of sanitizer. Fifty-five. Stockpile song. Hand me the toilet paper. The stockpile song. I love that. We'll have to try and time travel future to find out what the song is. I feel like we're not as creative with like catchy nursery rhyme songs. Oh, you know what we could do? Because we could just to go to the. Correct. We could just go to the late night TV channels and copy theirs, and then like yeah, and practice them so that you know, like twenty years in the future, when our when our kids have kids. And they're all singing songs. You go, hey, have you heard the COVID song? Back when we were younger, this terrible sure. plague swept the, the world and it was called COVID. And here's the song. Speaking of songs, has anyone noticed that God Bless America and God Save the Queen is the exact same yes. melody? Tune. The exact yeah. same yeah. tune, just yeah. different words. They we did it on purpose. Feet. We did it on purpose to piss off the British. Well, I mean, whatever. No. I was watching British Bake Off. That's the only reason. And they sang it on British Bake Off. Yeah. And you're and like, hey, like, that's the same tune. 
Twinkle, right. twinkle, little star is the same as like a hundred. It's yes. the same as the alphabet. It's same as black, the bad, same bad black sheep. But this I'm like, is what like, the hell? You couldn't come up with a different tune? No, because it's an easy one to remember. It's an easy cadence. You just know it instinctively. Ring Around the Rosie was first published in 1881. And the COVID song was published in no. 2021. It'll be the baby shark. Oh, oh my God. Because <laughs> I feel like that is exactly when baby shark started taking over my brain. That was the year all my preschoolers, that's all they wanted to hear. That's yeah. all they wanted to play. 2020. And I yeah. was like, okay, you got to kill me. Kill me now. Kill me it's dead. Been I used to sing that as a kid at Culver. That's not a no new song. No way. No, but. Yes. Oh, we yeah. It it's a really camp. old song, Martha. I've never heard it's that the, before Jessica did it. We sang it at camp when we had to wait in line, like for the dining hall or whatever. Like if the That's because you, you're, like, you, you're, you're, you're an infant. No, I was, it was like 1997, 94. It was 94. They sang it at all of, of our like vacation Bible camps, like, yeah. and stuff. Oh my God. Because it was all this like, oh, now you go to heaven and you party with Jesus and like, you and know And there's I mean? sharks in heaven? What the there fuck? Baby shark? Well, after the shark eats you, you die. And they oh, try to resuscitate my. you. Okay, it's well, actually a very morbid new... song. Yeah, because it's like lost in arm. Or, do, yeah. do, 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 oh lost my in god! Arm, do, do. Like yeah, lost seriously, arm, do, do, the real do, do, do. song yes. is nasty. And yeah. then YouTube, like those stupid people that like Blind Melon or whoever, they made it into a cutesy freaking song, and now kids sing it. And I'm like. Yeah, because you lose a leg. I think you lose both lose legs. Lose a leg, so lose an arm. Is basically the new ring around the rosies. You're, kind of. you're absolutely right. It is. You. If so, you if you take all the right. Now, lyrics, if only it was a Monty Python skit, it would have been much more entertaining. It's a flesh wound. Do do. It's a flesh wound. Everyone's cussing at us right now because now that song is stuck in their head. Okay, and that's gonna do it for. Three Book Girls. Can't get enough of Three Book Girls? Check them out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Follow them on TikTok, YouTube, and check out their website at threebookgirls.com. And join the group Three Book Girls Tribe on Facebook. If you really love them, share the podcast with a friend or join them at one of their live events. Three Book Girls, a Steel Trap production.